Our text is John chapter 10, verse 10 and 11, and expect to go to several different passages this morning in this message. And I'm actually uh, just taking off from the messages of the last two weeks and just building on that, but uh, don't tell anybody that. Now, yeah, we won't have any problem, okay. All right, John chapter 10. In a sermon I've titled, Two Resurrections, Your Choice. Two Resurrections, Your Choice. Okay, in John chapter 10, beginning in verse 10. The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. Let me just interject something here before I read the rest of that verse. And verse 12, I think we're going to read verse 12 too. But the good shepherd giveth his life for his sheep. And I like the illustration there because you think of of somebody as a shepherd. And I always think of David, the shepherd boy, that a lion steals the lamb and a bear steals the lamb. He goes out and kills them both. Now, he doesn't have the guns and things that we have. He just got a slingshot. But he goes out and he kills them both. Takes a lamb. Now, uh, I don't know about y'all. I wouldn't have been a good shepherd because I would have said, bear, lion, they're yours. <laughs> okay. So, so I, I wouldn't have done that. I really wouldn't have. But he realized his duty. He realized his duty and he did it. But Jesus has shown us something much greater than that. Like a lamb, we're not worthy of a shepherd giving his life for us. But the good shepherd did. The good shepherd did. He did that for you and he did that for me. And so, in verse 12 he says, But he that is a hireling, and not the shepherd, whose own the sheep are not, seeth the wolf coming, and leaveth the sheep, and fleeth, and the wolf catcheth them and scattereth the sheep. And so often, that just makes me think of a pastor backing down and not preaching the word, not preaching what he's supposed to preach. And the sheep get scattered. And the devil hears a picture of the wolf, gets victory, and devours a testimony of those sheep. So yes, it's very interesting in the things that we can see applied here and that the Lord is trying to teach us. But now we're looking at two resurrections. Let's have a word of prayer and then we'll get started. Father, I pray that as we look here at two resurrections, we see the importance of Jesus Christ, He who rose from the dead, and He who is coming again. And Lord, I pray that as we think on these verses and we go further into so many other scriptures that we'll be seeing here in just 
minutes. Lord, I pray that the very message that you would have the people to hear, it's the message that you've given, that it be understood. Lord, again, if there's anyone here that is not saved, or those watching by live stream, or listening by radio, I pray that, Lord, this be a day of decision in which they decide for Christ. In Jesus Christ's name we pray it. Amen. Well, we look here, and I'm going to preface this message, kind of say, with some scriptures here. First, I want you to look just five chapters earlier, John chapter 5. And I'm going to look here in John chapter 5 and maybe start off here with verse um, 24. Matter of fact, I'm going to go back further than that, okay? I'm going to go back here to John chapter 5, if I find it again. And uh, if I don't find it, Y'all can be cutting, uh, counting, oh boy, praise the Lord, he lost it. Uh, but I, I didn't lose it. Okay, it's right here. Okay, now, in John chapter 19, we see here in verses uh, 23 and following, that all men should honor the Son as they honor the Father. He that cometh, uh, he that uh, honoreth not the Son, honoreth not the Father, which has sent him. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. Now, verse 25, barely, barely. Now, let me just say this thing about barely, barely. That means truly, truly. Now, understand this passage, Jesus Christ is speaking. He's already said, barely, barely, truly, truly, I say unto you. Now, he wants you to get this there in verse 24, and then in verse 25, barely, barely, truly, truly. That means this is going to happen. I say unto you, the hour is coming, and now is, now is, when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God, and they that hear shall live. Now, what I want you to understand in that when he says, they that are dead shall hear the voice of God, and they shall live. You need to understand the dead here is not talking about at that moment physically dead. He's talking about spiritually dead. When they hear the voice of the Son of God, in other words, when God begins to convict the heart and show a person, you're a sinner, and if you don't get saved, hell is your destiny. That's the way he's addressing it. And so when he says there uh, that those that have believed on him, have everlasting life, they are raised unto the resurrection life. But this one, verse 25, it's of the dead. The resurrection, of, uh, when the dead shall uh, respond, then they have it. But if they don't receive it, then they don't get saved. Theirs is the resurrection of damnation. 
And so we see those two verses there in front of us just to see that they're, that, uh, they're going to this resurrection of damnation without Christ. Those that are saved, eternal life. There's eternal existence for the unsaved. But you can't call it life because it's going to be in a lake of fire. So you need to understand that going forward. Now, I'm going to go to Luke 14, verse 14. Thou shalt be blessed, for they cannot recompense thee. That is, the world cannot recompense you. False doctrine cannot recompense you. Not true to the word preaching, teaching, and believing can recompense you. A work salvation cannot recompense you. He says, for thou shalt be recompensed at the resurrection of the just. Now that is a specific resurrection. The resurrection of the just. When all the saved are caught up to be with the Lord in the air. The resurrection of the just. And yes, there's a resurrection of damnation. And there's a resurrection of unto life of the just. Two resurrections. You need to be ready for when that happens. Now I want us to go to Revelation chapter 20. The last book of the Bible, the, you know, you got chapter 20, 21, 22, so right there near the end of the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter 20, because I'm going to spend some time here, and that's where I'm going to park. I just wanted to see that those first couple of chapters there, those first references I was giving you, is that Jesus is teaching there's a resurrection of damnation, and there's a resurrection of the just. Two different resurrections. But now, as we look here in Revelation chapter 20, I'm going to start off with verse 4. And I saw thrones. And they that sat on them, and judgment was given unto them. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God. Now think about that. They got beheaded because they was preaching in the name of Jesus. Remember Peter and John in Acts? They preached and they was told, don't you ever preach in that name again. And they said, well, we're going to obey God, man. They got whipped with a, with a whip, but they did not get to be headed for that. But these are beheaded for the witness of Jesus Christ, giving the gospel to someone and for the word of God. Now, people say, why do you take a strong stand on the King James Bible? Why do you take a strong stand on these things? Because God wants us to, because it is His Word, and there are going to be people one day that are going to be beheaded for that. Now, they acted on our text, the people that did that. The people that preached Jesus, the people that stood on the Word of God and preached the Word, they we're beheaded for that. But now, what I want you to see, that these people that we're talking about right now are people in the tribulation. 
uh, they got killed in the tribulation. You see, reading 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, we find out that there are those that were under the conviction of the Holy Spirit. They knew they weren't saved. They had an opportunity to be saved. But the Bible says they held that truth in unrighteousness. In other words, they wouldn't accept it. They rejected it. It had that attitude of not now. If I get saved, that's going to mess up my uh, happiness. That's going to mess up the things I want to do. That's going to mess up this, that. I actually witnessed to a man that was running for sheriff up in Pensacola. And actually he won that election. But he came by the church where I was and, and uh, said, I wanted to get your uh, vote, your support, and so forth. And I'd never met the guy. But we sat there and, and we talked a little bit about things that... Uh, would improve law enforcement or something like that, things that were needed in the community. But then I said, hey, if you were to die today, do you know that you'd go to heaven? He said, well, I'll tell you what I told the pastor over there at the First Baptist and the other ones and so forth. He says, I told them I never left them. And I said, well, that's interesting, but let me tell you what I mean by this. I went through the plan of salvation. Then I asked him, I said, now, if you were to die today, would you go to heaven? He said, no, I wouldn't. I said, would you like to receive Christ right now? And his answer was this, no, because that would cost me the election. Well, he did win the election. About a year or two later, he lost his job driving drunk. But I'm saying is that there was somebody that knew that he needed to be saved. Now, had he lived and if he was still living today, and all of a sudden he died or, or Christ come back, and, and Christ comes back and he's left behind, that guy rejected Christ when the Holy Spirit made him aware that he needed to be saved. Now, there are a lot of people that are living at the rapture, may have heard but it didn't occur to them that they needed to be saved. They didn't really realize they were sinners. That they were deserved to go to hell. And because of that, those people are left behind. They may have a chance to be saved. But those that knew that they weren't saved, they need to get saved, there's no chance for them to get saved. That's what 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 teaches and so I'm just giving you the message of God. Uh, yeah, there'll be people saved in the tribulation. In our text, these are those people that got saved in the tribulation. But they believed our text. They believed there in John chapter 10 and, and, and verse 10 and 11 that they had everlasting life in Christ, that He come to die for them. They believed these things here as you read about those in John chapter 10. He come to save that which was lost is what the Bible told us about him. They believed that he would give everlasting life. They believed that he was the good shepherd. They believed that as a good shepherd, he gave his life for them and he would give them everlasting life, not the eternal death. And again, I remind you, when you see the things in the Bible talking about death, in the spiritual sense, that's talking about separation from God, not just bodily death. It's separation from God forever. That's why the man in hell is living in eternal death, but he's very alert, just like the rich man in hell. He realized, he realized, he says, I'm tormented in this flame. 
he realized there was no more opportunity. So he just prays, says, Lord, please send somebody to my brothers. I don't want them to come to this place. And what was the Lord's answer? What's the answer there? Uh, they have Moses and the prophets. They won't believe that one rose from the dead. Guess what? One did raise from the dead and they didn't believe. So what I'm telling you is, is that uh, the responsibility I have today is to preach God's Word, but your responsibility is to answer to God, not to me. I mean, that, that, that's it. If you're not sure if you die today that heaven's your home, my goodness, I would make sure. Because what I'm sharing with you today is the reality of God. Now, so this is during the tribulation. These guys got saved. They were beheaded. Revelation chapter 6 even talks about that. The souls under the altar that were beheaded for the cause of Christ. And they're saying, oh Lord, how long? <laughs> you know, they, they can see the people that were saved and got caught up in the rapture. And they're thinking, man, they have a body fashioned like unto Christ. And, and the Lord gives all of those these special robes. But they don't have the new body yet. They will. They will. As a matter of fact, they will rule and reign with Christ. We'll see more about that in just a little bit. But they will come and they will rule. They'll reign with Christ as well. And we'll see more about that as we go along. But uh, we go on here in verse 4 of Revelation 20, and which had not worshipped the beast and his image, neither had received his mark in their foreheads or in their hands. And they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. Now that's Seen in Revelation chapter th uh, 13 where it talks about the mark of the beast, 666. It talks about the image that is made. People will be put to death if they don't worship that image. Many of these could have been put to death for not worshiping that image. But guess what? The Lord's going to bring them back. And they're going to reign with Him because He says that they're going to reign with Him for that thousand year millennium. Now, the millennium it's a great time for earth, but that's not the eternal reign of Christ. The eternal reign of Christ will follow the millennium. And we'll say more about that as we go on, because if we don't finish this, which I don't think that we will this morning, I will finish it tonight, talking about those, these things of the millennium, the things of the eternal reign, the things of hell, the things of all of this. Uh, so, this is why, uh, and this is what caused many to be headed because they held the witness of Christ. They stood for the Lord Jesus Christ. And they could have rejected Him like many will. But instead, by faith, they truly believed another thing in Scriptures that were already written that will be there because the Scriptures are preserved. And even though we're raptured out, the Bible is still here. They can try to take it away. But they're, they are beheaded for the Word of God, so they couldn't get rid of it completely, could they? And they believed the Scripture that said, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. When a loved one dies, whether it's a spouse, whether it's a parent, whether it's a child, and they're in Christ, one thing you know, 
there with the Lord. It is 100% better. Yes, you have grief. You have sorrow. But we sorrow not as those that have no hope. But it goes on here to say, But the rest of the dead live not again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. That is, this is the resurrection of the just. Saved, if you will. Those that are saved. Those who uh, trusted Christ. But those who are without Christ. And they died during that tribulation. They die at that battle of Armageddon. They die. Or anyone today that dies without Christ are in hell. You see, now is the accepted time, 2 Corinthians chapter 6 tells us. Now is the day of salvation. I was listening to a radio, it wasn't on our radio station, <laughs> but a radio preacher saying, well, uh, now is the day of salvation. It has nothing to do with getting saved in this day. It has something else all completely different. At that point, I turned it off, so I don't know what else he said. But uh, I, I know when somebody's saying something wrong, uh, not to listen from that point forward. But, blessed and, blessed and holy is he that hath part in that first resurrection. You see, Jesus was the first fruits of the resurrection. And so, we are raised at the rapture. Many of these people killed in the tribulation that received Christ, and they're going to be raised. They're going to be changed. They're going to be having a body fashioned like into Christ's glorious body, but it's not going to be the rapture that we have. But hey, they're not going to argue the points. They're glad. The second death, however, is on those that end up in the lake of fire, separated from God forever and ever. There is absolutely no chance of ceasing to exist, no chance of escaping, and there is no end to the fire and torment. None whatever. The rich man was tormented in his flame, and yet that's not the eternal lake of fire, which will be worse. But he was in flame, and he was tormented, and that's happening today when men die without Christ. Oh my goodness, that's the second death. You say, well, preach, what do you mean? Well, the first, first death is that we are born dead. That is, we are born spiritually separated from God because we have a sin nature we received from our parents, from their parents, all the way from Adam. We received a sin nature. So you're born 
needing to be saved when you come to an age where you're able to understand accountable age. But until then, you are separated from God until you get saved. That's the first death. That's why Jesus said, you must be born again. A new life in Christ. Where he comes upon your receiving him as your Lord and Savior. He cleanses you of your sin. And he gives you ever, everlasting life. That's what he does for you. That's what he does for anyone who receives Christ as their Savior. Jesus even said to make it clear, he that comes to me I will in no wise cast out. Oh yes, to receive Christ is so important. But it must be in this life. So that second death is being separated from God forever in that eternal lake of fire and torment. Never able, never able to cease or exist. But now we're going to be told here that they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with Him a thousand years. These that are killed in the tribulation, reigning with Christ for a thousand years, they are beheaded, but they're reigning with Him. A thousand years, you see. Through all of that, through everything that happened, they remain true to the Lord. And so, they are the people that are also part of the first resurrection, so to speak. Not talking about the order of resurrections. There was Jesus, the first fruits, and then we follow. But the first resurrection is that from hell and the grave that Jesus did for us. And now he has the keys of hell and of death, Revelation 1.18 tells us. Again, as I said before, Eternal existence is not eternal life. And that's all the man in hell has. That body is able to feel pain. It's able to feel the torments. It's able to uh, feel the fear. It's able to feel all of those things and nothing can be done about it. So these people are going to be priests of God. That was the promise. Priests of God. You know what a priest does? He ministers to others for God and to God for others. In other words, he speaks to others for God and he speaks to God for others. That's why these guys in the millennium will be putting their lives on the line knowing that they could be beheaded, put to death in a very terrible way. They're going to do that because they believe God. They believe God. And so they minister, they speak to people for God, hoping they too will get saved. And obviously there are multitudes that do get saved during that time. And I believe when he speaks to people for God, then after he'll speak to God for those people. 
following the example of Jesus Christ on the cross, especially as they get ready to behead him, says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And so, we see the preface to the thousand years of tribulation. And that's in verses 1 through 3, which I'm going to go into tonight, Lord willing. I read those other verses first so that we set it up, but these first three verses are important for it. But what I want you to see, you're saved, you know you're on your way to heaven. And, and you won't give somebody a track. And, and nobody is going to take your head off for that. You won't talk to people about Jesus because they won't like you or they'll make fun of you or they'll criticize you or, or do whatever and mock you. And you can't remember Jesus Christ hanging on a cross, bleeding, painful, suffering what you and I should have suffered and having the outpoured wrath of God on His human spirit. And these men saved in the tribulation. They know the consequence, but they proceed to do it. Because man sees the consequences, they're losing their head. They see the consequences, eternal life, eternal joy, and the hope of rescuing a perishing soul. Yes, you're a Christian. You know you're saved. Isn't it interesting? And I'm going to use this as an illustration before I close. The Old Testament. Sabbath was a very important day. Not just the religious Sabbaths of, of the various feasts they had, but the Sabbath itself, every Saturday. No servile work, no that. Remember in the when they were in the wilderness, the guy went out gathering sticks and other things, and finally they ended up putting him to death. Doing it on the Sabbath. That was important to God. He said, remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. He said, well, Lord, uh, you say, Pastor, we don't meet on the Sabbath. We meet on, we, we, we meet on Sunday. Yeah. In the New Testament, we find in, second, in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, they're meeting on the first day of the week. We find in Revelation chapter 1, John, who God gave every word of this book of Revelation to write, was worshiping the Lord on the Lord's Day. Why did you call it the Lord's Day? Because that was the day of the resurrection. Sunday. He rose up from the dead. The Lord gave a command that is just as strong as the command about the Sabbath for us today, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. In other words, they're not there, they're not there. Well, you know what, I want to go fishing today. Oh, I want to go hunting. You know, we had this thing, in, and, and, and we don't want to. Look, I know people go on vacations. I, I've been on them. I'll tell you what, wherever we go, we're going to be in church on Sunday. But all the reasons we use for not going to God's house. Now, there's some people that are watching us right now, people that are listening to us right now that can't go out. But would be here if they could. Boy, you have a three-day weekend. You're going to see a lot of people off running off somewhere else here and there and all what. Some go fishing, some go camping, some go. Uh, why is that? 
you take a vacation from God. Maybe God ought to take a vacation from you for those three days. Okay, I'm going to take a vacation from me. Uh, I'm not going to watch over your kids. There's a, uh, somebody going down the wrong side of the road. I'm not going to do anything about it. Hey, if somebody comes in to rob you, I'm not going to do If some kind of a pervert grabs your dog, we're not going to do anything about it. Uh, well, preacher, don't say that. Well, maybe you shouldn't say, I've got liberty or grace to do this. Yeah, you do actually have liberty or grace. Doesn't make it righteous, doesn't make it holy. It's still wrong. But God doesn't say you can't do it because He's given you a free will. You've got a free will. You're the one that decides of whether your dedication is to the Lord or just the balance of the power of it. These people here is an example to us, and they haven't, they haven't been saved yet as I'm standing here. None of those have been saved yet because they get saved in the tribulation. But they're willing to be beheaded for Christ. What are you willing to do in faithfulness for Christ? That's the question. And yet, you're saved. You're not faithful like you should be. I'd much rather be a billion times better in your shoes than the person that's sitting here today or watching by live stream listening by radio, that does not know that if they die today that heaven's their home. You're not sure of it, and you're playing Russian roulette with your soul. And God wants to save you. He will not cast you out. You're pretty sure you don't know the amounts of sin I've had. Jesus died for all sin for all time. He paid the penalty in full. But you must receive Him as your Lord and Savior. But as many as received Him, to them gave He the power to become the sons of God, even unto them that believe on His name, which were born, not of blood. You weren't born a Christian. Nobody is. Nor the will of the flesh. Oh, you didn't work for it. You can't earn it. Nor the will of man, that with his psychology and psychiatry and anything else that he can do is devise these little uh, cute little outlines and just say, if you do this, do this, do that, you'll be all right. Don't worry. No, you need a Savior. You've got to confess, I'm a sinner. I need to be saved, and He'll save you. There are people sitting in this auditorium today that walked this aisle one time when they heard the gospel and got saved right here in this building. Others did it in other places. They walked forward publicly. Look, you're sitting there today, whether as a Christian, you're mulling over a decision, or as an unsaved person, not sure you're saved. You're mulling over. Jesus loved you so much, loved you so much, that of that cross, where Hebrews chapter 12 says that he despised the shame of that cross. But he endured it for the joy set before him, the joy of being able to save your soul because he died for your sin. He wasn't ashamed to save you. He wasn't ashamed to die for you. Is your character so low that you can't even walk an aisle to receive him? As a Christian, you can't walk an aisle to get things right with him? Is your character that low? And yet, my friend, his forgiveness is still there. His forgiveness is still there if we just repent and just say, okay, all for Jesus. All for Jesus, I surrender. Let's bow our heads, please.